So what, what kind of was the impetus behind this was uh, this summer, there was a time, there's a specific day I could take you to the spot in my backyard where I began to lose heart. And if you know me at all or been around me at all, I'm the positive guy. I'm the cup half full guy. I'm the, I'm the guy who gets into a situation where it seems hopeless and there's no way to get out of it and I'll figure out a way to get out of it. There's always hope and there's always uh, something that, that I can navigate through. In the old days before the internet, I used to have this saying that if I had a phone in about 15 minutes, I could figure out anything. And so now with the internet, it's a whole lot quicker. But I'm the positive guy. I'm the guy who, when they took those personality tests and the, oh, it'd probably be back in my day, they, they, they came up with, they, they classified you as four different types of animals. One was a lion, one was a beaver, one was a golden retriever, and one was a, guess what I was? I was the otter. I was the one who just loved to bang my tail on the water. I was the most, I was enthusiastic. I was fun loving. I was full of energy. I was always optimistic. And here I was at a moment in time in my backyard where I began to lose heart. And see, the thing I was losing heart about was that I couldn't see you guys. We were closed. And, and, and I actually got reprimanded one time because I was coming to the office too much. And I was in those Zoom meetings. And someone says, it appears that your background is your office. And I said, yeah. And so I got in trouble for that. And I had to go home again. So I'm sitting in my backyard. And I'm, I'm just, I'm lamenting the situation that I'm in. I began to not be this fun-loving otter that was banging my tail on the water. You know, I'm the guy who meets with you. I, I, I'm not typically the guy who preaches. I'm the guy who hangs out with you. I'm the guy who answers the phone call when someone's faith is a little bit shaky. I'm the one who sometimes you invite to say, hey, can you help us share the gospel with this person? I, I'm the one who answers the phone call when someone's sick or someone's hurting or, God forbid, someone's passed away. I, I'm the one who gets to joyfully celebrate in weddings and be there when the babies are born and dedicate children and all these joyous times, but I'm also the guy who gets to hold the tender hands of people as they watch their loved ones pass away. And all of that was taken away from me. And I'll never forget this moment. The phone rang, and it was a mom. And the mom says, is there any way you could call my son? He's in the emergency room right now. He's in a whole lot of pain. And so I called him. And here's where it kind of gets real personal to me is, is this boy was 25 years old. I have kids that are 24 and 27, so I immediately was connected to this kid and what this mom was experiencing. And I'm talking to this boy, and 25-year-old boys don't typically cry, and he's crying on the phone in excruciating pain. He's just received the news that there's something going on in his abdomen that doesn't look good and may require surgery, and they not ex they're not exactly sure if it's cancer, what it is, but it's serious, and this kid is in a lot of pain. And literally, the only thing I could do with that moment is cry with him and pray with him. That would normally be a situation, I would have gotten that phone call, I would have been in the hospital in a moment's notice, but we weren't allowed to even be in the hospitals. And so in that moment, I'm beginning to lose heart because this is my job. God, this is what you called me to be. This is what you free me up to do, is to meet people in this time. And I couldn't do it. I was handcuffed. And so I began to think about you guys. I mean, I can't be the only one who loses heart from time to time. And so perhaps in this season or in life, you're, maybe you're experiencing it right now where you've lost heart. Maybe it's in a relationship that's gone south. 
Maybe it's in your kids that are doing something you would have never dreamed they would be doing. Maybe your finances have taken a little turn or maybe your job's been removed from you. Maybe your livelihood has been completely shaken up over these last few months that you begin to lose heart. Maybe it was all the missed weddings that we couldn't get to in the last six months, or maybe it was a way in which you couldn't really remember the loved one who passed away and that funeral has been put on hold. Goodness gracious, if you're anything like me, I'm losing heart just sitting and looking at all the politics and the elections and stuff that's going on. And I can tell you, I'm older than some of you here, but every four years, all I hear is this is the most important election ever. And frankly, it's causing me to lose heart, which I'm sure you as well. Now, for those of us who live in Phoenix, I know what else it's caused us to lose heart. We've had over 60 days, over 110. There was a guy in last service who just moved here from Minnesota. And he says, he says, he says, I mean, literally just moved. So he's, he's going, oh, this is great. This is warm in the day, cool at night. And I said, it's like this every day of the year here. And in fact, it's still gonna be in the hundreds today. So my sense is we all get to the point at some time, and maybe you're there even at this moment where you've lost heart or losing heart. And so I thought I would take you down this path, this journey that I took that day in my backyard and just take you along for the ride to help you see that although you can lose heart, there is encouragement in gaining heart. And I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to say what I started to do, but you're thinking, uh, you're the pastor of the church. This is what you're, so, so you know what I started doing? Kind of like you guys. I just started flipping through the Bible, just trying to find anything that would give me some sense of hope. And you're thinking, you're, you're a trained guy. What are you doing just flipping haphazardly through scripture? And what was amazing was God led me to a passage that I use a lot in funerals. Now, I, I promise you this message will be encouraging and uplifting, but there was a time in which Jesus is meeting with his disciples in John chapter 14, and he's laying out before his disciples what is about to happen. And he's been telling them about his death and some crazy things are gonna happen and you guys are gonna be running for your lives and I'm gonna leave you, but I'm gonna come back and all this kind of crazy language. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. And what I began to think was, I was thinking my heart is feeling a little bit of trouble at this time. And so it caused me to want to look for more of these passages that talks about hearts being troubled or hearts being faint or losing heart. And when I looked up that phrase about losing heart or hearts troubled or faint-hearted, it was mostly written to Christians, first of all, and it was mostly written when they were experiencing severe times of stress or uncertainty. And here's what that phrase means in a, in a variety of different ways. It means to be utterly spiritless, to be wearied out, to be exhausted. And at that moment in time, I found myself utterly spiritless. Everything that I thought I had going for me was taken away. And my sense is, is if that phrase was used multiple times in Scripture, it was there for a purpose. It was there not only to encourage the believers of that day, but I believe it's there to encourage us today. And so what do we do? This leads us 
to a passage that I shared last week when we were introducing a new song, that God is doing some incredible work in our midst and we may not see it. And so I'm gonna read for you the passage of scripture. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter four if you wanna turn there or we're gonna have it up on the screen. And, and I'm gonna read it and then I'm gonna provide a little bit of context around the time in which this is written. And so look up on the screen or open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter four and I'm gonna begin reading in verse 16. The Apostle Paul says, so we do not lose heart, which is the title of my message today. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are natural. Before we look at that passage in detail, what's so fascinating about this book of 2 Corinthians is if you've been around here any time over the last few weeks, Pastor Jamie has actually alluded to this book. And it's a very autobiographical book about the life of Paul and the torment and the personal story of struggle that he was experiencing. It's really a personal letter. It's his second letter to the church in Corinth who has gotten off way again and has uh, been confused with regards to doctrine. But they also begin to attack the apostle Paul. His ministry, his apostleship is under attack. And what we see in this is he does not hide the truth of how his heart is feeling about himself or his ministry. Yet at the same time we see as this story unfolds in this letter, we see a heart that is tender towards God, which ultimately keeps him committed to the ministry that he's been called to do. Certainly a rare blend. We read about how he groans, how he weeps, how he confesses, how he reveals deep innermost feelings, how he has to defend himself, how he boasts. He was real. You know, part of our vision here is to get God and get real. And part of getting real is being okay to express your doubts, your concerns, your loss of heart with someone. And we see this in the Apostle Paul. You know, it's interesting. He describes himself not as a finished, polished piece of silver that is held up high. Instead, he refers to himself in chapter 4, verse 7, as a jar of clay, something that's just a piece of stuff that's being molded. He confesses to deep despair in his life in chapter one, which really means he was contemplating whether he should continue to live or not. In chapter four, verse eight and nine, we read that he's afflicted, he's pressed, he's perplexed, he's knocked down, but he's not knocked out. In chapter six through 11, we read that he confesses that he's not perfect that he's not invincible, and he exposes the true pain of his ministry. He's so deeply tormented that we read in chapter 12 that this famous passage about this thorn in his flesh that he pleads with the Lord to take away. But the Lord was so faithful in saying, no, I'm not gonna remove that from you. I want you to have that thorn so that you realize it's me that's working in you and not you that's working in you. And he says these famous words. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. And immediately we see this rare blend of a tender heart towards God saying, 
In my weakness, I am strong, so I will boast all the more gladly at my weakness, so that the power of God can work in me. Well, you get the point. I lose heart, I'm gonna assume you lose heart, and the Apostle Paul has lost heart. But what's so great about this passage that we're gonna look at in a little more detail is Paul also points, points us to where we can gain heart. Now, this is gonna be a fun part for you. It's fun for me, because I'm kind of an auditory guy. I'm not a visual guy, as, other than I'm very easily distracted, so if a squirrel was to run through here, I would, I would see it. But for those of you who are visual learners, like my wife, I began to tell her about this, this crazy thought I had in the middle of the night, because some of you are like me in the sense that some of our most productive awake times are between 2 and 4 a.m. in the morning. Stan shaking his head. So at that time, I came up with this thought to try and teach this passage a little bit better. And so for you visual learners, I'm hoping you take this away and go, oh, mind blown. I've got this picture in my head of this passage. And so what I created was a scale. And this scale was something I sketched out in the middle of the night as best I could. And that's what's so great about Scottsdale Bible is we've got some killer people in a, in a marketing department that I could send this thing to, and they made this. Oh, mine completely blown. Because when I was starting to look at this passage, I could see there were three things that the Apostle Paul was telling us if we focus on, we will lose heart. But he's so positive in the sense that he says there's three other things that if we begin to transition our thoughts from, our focus on, we begin to gain heart. And so Paul uses this really neat rhetorical device where he compares one thing to another. He says, if this, then that. And this is what I thought would be a perfect picture for us to see the things he said that cause us to lose heart and the things that cause us to gain heart. And the first one he says is he says, though we are wasting away on the outside, Outside. That's not an if statement, that's a for sure statement. Now, if you're over the age of 30, and for those of you who aren't, you're gonna get there. 30 is the peak of your life. It doesn't get any better than when you're 30 years old. I'm telling you that. So here I am, 30 years old, my kids are small, they've left stuff in the tub, and I went to go get it out of the tub. All I did was this. I pulled a muscle in my hip. I'm a college athlete, I'm a trained assassin, and yet in a moment, I have pulled a muscle in my hip just trying to lift my leg to get into the tub. What has happened to me? I am wasting away from the outside. And if that's not enough, just a couple weeks ago, my wife and I celebrated our 32nd anniversary. You can clap for that, yeah. If you want to know what's fun, go back and look at your wedding picture 32 years ago. I went to bed 32 years ago. I woke up today, and something happened while I was sleeping. I look significantly different. Obviously, things are wasting away from the outside. Now, we shouldn't be surprised with that. We're faced with that all the time. Life is but a vapor. I mean, we hear of people passing away just like that. You're here today, you're gone tomorrow. Civilizations that once were completely all-powerful don't exist anymore. The news that's so crazy right now is not gonna exist years from now. I did this little thought in, a, uh, in our men's group on Friday. I said, most people, and you can do this in your heads right now, 
Most people could not tell me the names of both their great-grandparents on their mom and dad's side. Do it in your head, do it in your head. Most people can't. That tells me that in about 75 to 80 years, there's a chance you won't even be remembered by the people that are sitting in this room. Things are wasting away immediately. But within that, for believers, there's this great hope. And so we see on the other side of the scale that we're being renewed on the inside. Now that seems really crazy because around us is all death, as it says in scripture, yet there's something being renewed inside of us. It's stuff like our heart changing. It's, it's stuff like I used to think this way, now I think this way. I used to wanna look at these things, but now I don't wanna look at those things anymore. I used to say these types of things, but I don't say these things anymore. Our, our whole outlook begins to change because God's renewing us day by day with a heart that is being tuned to him. These are things that are just, you walk out of here and you go, I don't know why I felt that way anymore. I don't know why I don't worry about that anymore. I face situations now that are wasting away before me and I sit here and I go, oh my stars. I can't wait to see how God's gonna work in the middle of this situation. These are the things that God renews within us. And as I said earlier on in our, our little chat here this morning, for those of you who are Christians, that's a great encouragement. For those of you who don't know this Jesus, I'm gonna help you navigate that in just a few minutes. He continues to talk about on this one side of the scale, things that cause us to lose heart are these light and momentary afflictions. Now I gotta be real careful here because when you're in the midst of a light and momentary affliction, it may not seem like a light and momentary affliction. So please hear me say that when you're in the midst of something that seems painful, that seems trying, that's causing you to lose heart, I want you to know it's real. And I want you to know that that's why we exist as a church to help you walk through those things so that you can then begin to be renewed on the inside to see that these things truly are light and momentary afflictions. Whether they're circumstantial, you got the phone call from the doctor, or they're self-inflicted, something that you've done that's caused a light and momentary affliction. The Apostle Paul, while despairing in life, begins to have this transformation that takes place in him to where he begins to put on the other side of the scale a little bit more of a longer-term focus. He says, there's an eternal weight of glory that's waiting for you, that's incomparable to anything you could ever imagine. And when I say those words, eternal weight of glory to a Christian, do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you live in light of an eternal weight of glory that's incomparable that's awaiting you? Do you live that way? Do people see that in you when you are facing these light and momentary afflictions, those of you who know this Jesus? Do you truly believe it? Because if you did, you would understand that eternity started the moment you put your trust in the Lord. And he's beginning to do this work that he says he's renewing us day by day by day on the inside so that we can experience that power today, that glory today. And here's the great hope we have is there's this eternal weight of glory that's waiting for us beyond these light and momentary afflictions, these 82.3 years that the average say we have on this earth. 
And can you imagine what that eternal weight of glory looks like in light of no more tears, no more pain, no more death? Imagine what that would feel like, being able to see with eyes that have never been veiled or will never be veiled with sin. Is that something that encourages us, that gives us heart in the midst of these light and momentary afflictions? Paul continues on. He puts on the other side of the scale, these things look not to things seen. And that's kind of a weird way of saying basically what you're looking at. The things that you look at are temporal. The things that you look at are transient, as he says. They're here today, they're gone tomorrow. The things that you look at may not be what they appear. And oh, the devil has a way of causing us to want to look at those things. Because like me, seeing the squirrel run through here, I am very attracted to shiny objects. And it doesn't take long for me to focus on a 401k. It doesn't take long for me to focus on my job. It doesn't take long for me to focus on sports or American pickers or something like that. I get focused on stuff very easily. And he says, I don't want you to look not to these things that you can see. Here's a quick story for you. Out of college, we were first married, and, and I, I've always wanted to fly. I always wanted to fly. If I could have my life over again and, and you know, things just worked out a certain way, I'd want to be a fighter pilot in a high-speed plane. Just Now, can you imagine an otter in one of those planes? It's probably God's reason why he chose not to do that. But I decided to take flying lessons. And, and there's something very important for those of you who fly, and if I mess this up, you can correct me later, but I'm pretty sure I've got it figured out. There's, there's important things that you do look at, and there's certain things that you don't look at. And one of the things you try to keep your eye on a lot of the time is the horizon. Because the horizon doesn't move, and it keeps you focused on a point into the future that's fixed and doesn't move. Now, what they teach you is when you fly a plane, it's always good to have more air under the wings than above the wings. Because if you don't, you're either landing or crashing at that point. And so that became very important to me to know that it's good to have air underneath your wings. Well, when you turn a plane, what happens is you, you, you kick this little thing in a rudder and an aileron moves like this, and it causes the plane to do this. And the reason it does this is because there's less air under this wing and there's more air under this wing, which causes you to start to do this. But really what's happening is you're falling at this point. And the typical tendency for people to do is, is just like when you're driving a car, before you change lanes, you want to look to see if there's someone in the lane next to you. Same thing with a plane. Before you turn left, you wanna make sure there's not a plane or a mountain beside you. And so you, you look and then you turn and you, you, you glance, but you keep your eye fixed on the horizon as you're turning. And there's a little thing you have to, you have to keep pulling back on the yoke a little bit because you're falling. But here's what the tendency for some people is they tend to get fixated on this wing that's turning it's lower, and they're looking at it, and then they spot all these things down there below you, and the next thing you know, they get into a circle, and the pilots, they call it the death spiral, because you get to a point to where the circles start getting closer together, and it's very difficult to pull out of that type of spin. And I thought this is a perfect analogy of when we focus too hard on those things that aren't fixed, that aren't immovable, and on these other things. And you can fill in the blank, jobs, spouses, 
relationships, our finances, all this stuff, we lose sight of this horizon. And before we know it, we wake up in a place that we never thought we'd be. And we end up doing things that maybe we never dreamed we'd ever start doing, all because we were focused on this wing. And so what Paul says is, I want you to look to the things unseen. Now that just seems so crazy because, what do you mean, look to the things unseen? It just seems crazy to think about that. But listen to what some of the things he says I want you to look at. He said, I want you to look at the power of God and the life of his son that is being manifested in your weakness. Look at the way you've come through things that you never dreamed you'd ever be able to come through. Look to that. Look to that for encouragement, for strength and faith. He says, look to the life of Jesus that's flowing through your suffering, perhaps into the lives of others that are experiencing similar, similar things. Look at the way God sustains you in all of your afflictions and ultimately will not let you be destroyed. Because he says, your afflictions will not have the last word. You will rise from the dead, those who know Jesus. You'll rise from the dead with Jesus, with the church, and live in joy forever where there's no more pain, no more tears. Look to that. Look to your afflictions as being momentarily, momentary. I, I love in 1 Peter, it talks about, and although you, you, you face these trials for a, a, a certain time, a short time, and that short time could be a day, it could be a week, it could be a year, it could be a season, it might be your lifetime. But for those of us who know Christ, that's a moment in eternity. So look to your afflictions as momentary. They are only for the now and not for the ultimate age to come. Look to your afflictions truly being light compared to the pleasure of what is coming. They're really nothing compared to this eternal weight of glory that's waiting for us. Finally, look at these afflictions as producing within you this renewing that Paul talks about, an appreciation and a hunger for this eternal weight of glory that's awaiting you. Those are things you aren't tangible. It's too easy to see my security in a retirement package. It's too, it's too easy to see my hope and my trust and my faith in somebody else. It's harder to see these things that are unseen. And so that's why you come to gather here. That's why we worship this risen Jesus, who ironically we haven't seen, but we hear proclaimed, and yet we see him in this word. And the reason I talk about Jesus and this whole idea of the unseen is because Jesus isn't living and dying and rising from the dead every day. We get that, right? But we get the important testimony of these apostles who saw this risen Jesus so we can take it to the bank that this guy truly exists. Listen to what John Piper says and how we are to look at these things. He says, we look at these unseen things through the gospel, we strengthen our hearts, we renew our courage by fixing our gaze on the invisible. The objective truth that we see in the testimony of these apostles, we see in the testimony of those who saw Christ face to face. We are reading the actual accounts of people who saw this Jesus with their own eyes rise from the dead. That changed everything. 
That said, everything that I taught you before is true and I'm coming back so that you can be with me. It changed everything. It changed the lives of these people. And so what is unseen to us is seen through the gospels, through the testimony of these witnesses. So here's my main point. You're thinking it's taking you this long to get to your main point. Well, I'm not a very bright guy. I'm just a simple country boy. And you're gonna think after you get this, you're gonna go, and this is what you came up with? And so we lose heart in what's seen. And we gain heart in what is unseen. We lose heart in these things that we see that are temporary, transient, but a mist. And we gain heart in those things that we can't see. And look what happens when we see the scale, when we do that. We begin to gain heart. Whatever you set your focus on, whatever you fix your eyes upon, whatever you plan to say, this is where I'm gonna spend most of my time, you're either gonna lose heart or gain heart over time. And here's the apostle Paul being super real, telling you, I've even despaired of life. And yet in a moment, he realizes my strength is made perfect in my weakness. The same Apostle Paul who's lost heart. You know, my job mostly, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the secret to my job, okay? And so you guys can, you know, if I have the big one, I go down, someone can take the job tomorrow, this is all you have to do. My job is 75% of the time pointing people back to Jesus. It's taking their heads and going, let's look back at Jesus. Hey, you're over here. No, let's go back to Jesus. Squirrel, no, we're back to Jesus. That's 75% of my job. The other 25% of my job is taking that one who's never set their eyes on Jesus and saying, you've tried all this other stuff. Why don't you look to Jesus? 75% is, is Christians like you and me being reminded in our backyards, I gotta be pointed back to Jesus. 25% is pointing him to Jesus. So that's why we meet, that's why we're gathering. That's why it was killing me to know that we weren't gathering. I was so concerned about those scattered sheep that were all over the countryside getting stuff in their head, fixing their eyes on things that were not going to last, that were ultimately gonna put you into a tailspin and churn you up, and I was right there with you. That's why we gather in groups. That's why we join with other Christians. That's why we read this scripture. That's why we memorize the scripture. That's why we pray so that we don't lose heart. And it's not because we have to. It's because that's how we see the unseen. So what are we gonna do with this? What are you gonna do with this as you leave today? I'm here to tell you there is a spiritual battle for your souls. And there's a spiritual battle for the souls of the ones that don't even know Jesus yet. The devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to separate us. He wants to disunify us. He wants to put stuff in your head. He wants to get you thinking about things, seeing things, and paralyzing you so that you end up in this death spiral and you think there's no way out of it. And so maybe if you're in the midst of this time, like I was, it's time to get real. Get real with someone. Join one of these groups. Talk to somebody and say, hey, I'm in a tailspin. It's okay. We've all been there. We've all lost heart at some point in time, and I just wanna make sure you know you're not alone, and you don't have to shoulder this burden alone. I love meeting with people who come to me and bear their true soul, 
and just say, I need help. Because every one of us have been there at any given time. And some of us are gonna be a little bit more gained in heart than others. And we're there to lift you up and to help you pull back on the yoke a little bit to get out of this tailspin. Your friends here, the church, our staff, we wanna help you walk through these things. Well, let me finish with the rest of my story. So I'm in the backyard and I've hung up from this 25-year-old boy and I'm weeping and I'm having this moment with the Lord that isn't, let's just say, recordable, okay? And I am in a little bit of a tizzy saying, how could you possibly take this away from me? I'm doing your work, God. I'm the man you've called to minister to these people. There's a 25-year-old boy who's scared to death in an emergency room with the possibility of a tumor in his bladder that he is scared to death about, and he can't even have his mother in the hospital with him right now. And I can't do anything about it. And what was so sweet about that moment, which ultimately led me to looking at this idea of being faint-hearted, was God spoke similar words that he spoke to the Apostle Paul. He said, Rick, my grace is sufficient for you. And my grace is sufficient for that 25-year-old boy. Perhaps you have been looking at something different that's causing you to feel a little bit too much higher of yourself, think too much higher of yourself than you ought. Perhaps you think it's you that's ministering to these people. Perhaps you think it's your hand that's holding the hand of the person who's passing away. Perhaps you think it's you that's doing the praying, the caring for, the ministering to these people. Perhaps you've put yourself a little bit too high on a shelf as a polished piece of silver and forgotten that you're just simply a jar of clay that I'm using. My grace is sufficient for that boy and I will take care of him. But perhaps I need to lift your head away from the mirror and begin to fix your eyes on the author and the perfecter of your life. I'm here to tell you at that moment, I felt very small. And it was this, this moment where I just get hit between the eyes where I have confused what I think is God's work with my work. And so if you wanna blame the coronavirus on anybody, it was for me. So everything you've been dealing with over the last seven months is because God wanted to teach me something, that perhaps I was putting myself on things that were seen versus focusing on the things that were unseen, what God was producing in me. I love what Jesus says to his disciples when things were getting a little bit tough. There's this great passage in the book of John where, where the disciples have heard some information and there's a bunch of followers and, and God's talking about, you're gonna have to lay down your life for me. You're gonna have to drink my blood, eat my body, which they just didn't quite grasp at that time. And a whole slew of people said, I'm not into that. I'm not gonna follow that. And Jesus is left with the disciples. And he looks back at them and he says, so what are you gonna do? And I felt like Jesus was saying, okay, what are you gonna do in that backyard? And Peter says at that moment, we got nowhere to go. You hold the words to eternal life. And in that moment, that's when I realized that 
my eyes had been fixed on something that was seen and not on the unseen. And that's what led us to this conversation this morning because I can't imagine I'm the only guy at the Cactus Campus who from time to time has lost heart or has fixed his eyes on the scene, that which is transient and temporary and not on the things that are unseen. So as I said, 75% of my job is pointing you back to Jesus. And there's 25% of my job that's pointing people to Jesus. So there's somebody in this room who has never been able to say, I've gained heart. All they've done is lost heart. Maybe you have temporarily gained heart through stuff, but they don't have a lasting peace and they don't have a lasting hope. This was a message to believers to encourage us to lift us up in the midst of our trials and momentary afflictions and things that are wasting away that we're trying to grab onto. We're reminded that we're being renewed, that there's an eternal weight of glory that's waiting for us. And so look to this thing that's unseen, this Jesus. There's some of you here that have never been able to say, all I've done is lost heart. I've never gained heart. The same Jesus is speaking to you today. And he's saying, give me a chance. Give me a chance to prove you wrong, that everything that's caused you to lose heart, I can help you gain it back but it's only gonna be found in me. And so my encouragement for you is perhaps today is the day that you're going, oh my stars, all I've done is lost heart for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, whatever it might be. It's time for me to gain heart. And I'm here to tell you through the power of the resurrection, through Jesus's work on the cross that Nick talked about right at the beginning, while you were still sinners, fixated on these things, he died for you so that you might gain heart. And so I'm gonna pray for us in just a moment and, and ask the Lord to do that work in our midst this morning. But your heads, let's get them focused back on the horizon, that which is fixed, that which is eternal, that which never changes. And we remove our eyes from those things that are seen, that are temporary, that are transient, that will never cause you to gain heart. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful for this timely message. We're grateful for the Apostle Paul who, who gave it all up, all these incredible things so that he could be tormented, so that he could be pressed upon, that he could be found in weakness. And Lord, that he could share these words with us so that we might see we are no different than he, that we can lose heart. But Lord, just where we lift our eyes to, we can gain heart. And so Lord, as Christians, as those who know you, Lord, may this be a message of encouragement. And Lord, for those who have never been able to experience a peace, a hope, a confidence, a growing heart, Lord, I pray that this would be the day in which they say, I've tried it all and I'm placing 100% of my trust in Jesus. And Lord, we know that you're faithful to begin that renewing inside them even at this moment. So Lord, may we give up looking at the things seen and then turn our eyes to the unseen, which is you. So Jesus, we are grateful for this message, grateful for this time and grateful for your work in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.